Hello and welcome to Contra Mundum. I am your host, Andrew Isker, and with me is my co-host, CJ Engel. Hello, CJ. What's going on? Uh, not much. Just excited to be here with you. I've been waiting all week. Uh, should we, like always, should we share like how close we were to not recording this? Yes, yes. You should. You should tell them of the emergency that almost took place uh, right before we, we get going. Yes, I um I live in the mountains and the power goes out whenever there's a big storm, and the power had been out for 30 hours, and I and I messaged uh, Andrew and I was like I don't know if we can do it, and he was upset and I was like listen, <laughs> retweet this, and the power will come back on, and sure enough, within five minutes of a retweet, the power came back on. That's, it was that's how that's how powerful my Twitter has become. Yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> It's it's I can even control the power grid in California. That uh, it really is. Uh, it really is something else. Um, you know, speaking of, of powerful things, um, we, we <laughs> CJ first uh, right off the bat wanted to talk about uh, for our first segment, um, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis of Florida, um, of of my parents' uh, vacation okay. home state. Um, it's so so it's very near and dear to my heart. Uh, this this wonderful man, Ron DeSantis. Uh, so we have a clip that CJ wanted to play um, of of Governor DeSantis on the Blaze with uh, Glenn Beck. Correct. Uh, Let's do it. Out of state of emergency. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the only reason this so, is not. Yeah. I just talked to yeah. the Freedom Caucus yesterday. Yeah. When are we going to get out of this? And actually, the, it, what we did. So we did the state of emergency for about a year. And the only reason I kept it is because. The, I used the state of emergency to force the schools open. So I had to get through that first school year to ensure that all schools in Florida would be open. I probably would not have been able to do that absent at the state of emergency. Mm-hmm. So that was our leverage because I, I, I can control money. Basically, state of emergency allows you to move money around a little mm-hmm. bit more. So we did that. It also allowed me to overrule local governments, and particularly some of the liberal governments, and say, you're not going to be penalizing people for masks, no business closures. We, we set that down, and I needed the state of emergency mm-hmm. to do that. Then the legislature came in the next spring, and we made these, these protections permanent. And we actually – I asked them. I said, do a bill – to rein in the governor's executive emergency powers and to rein in local governments. And so Florida actually has constricted the powers. You know, one of the crazy things about this, and you'd appreciate it, it was almost not questioned in American history that these local governments have like these massive health health oh, problems, like emergency health problems. Yeah. And, and I'm just like, okay, you know, it's like, but I couldn't find. So I was one of my concerns when I'm fighting back against this. I was afraid I was going to lose in court on some of this. The law was not great on it. But I think what happened was I was strategic. And when I was pulling these levers so that when I would do it, you know, I had like a lot of business guys excited, people going back to work. And it made it harder for a county mm-hmm. to try to sue me to basically throw people out of their jobs. And so we were able to get through that. And I never That's lost a good. case uh, in all the things that I was doing. That's it. Okay. <clears throat> well, I mean, this is this right here is like textbook demonstration of like the what is wrong with not like what is wrong with having an idealist perspective of politics where there's absolute principles that have to be applied in an absolute way at all times. You you basically limit yourself from being able to respond to specific situations. I mean, the state of emergency in American history has long been a justification for government overreach. But 
course, people yeah. like even liberals like Hayek, like Friedrich Hayek have pointed out time and again that sometimes the best thing that can be done is the um, the, the extension and application of authority of even dictatorial uh, efforts to combat socialism or leftism or or what have you the state has to have these reins from time to time and hayek has actually gotten he i don't i don't know if you remember this but like during the the libertarian years everyone would uh you know the left would go crazy when people brought up hayek because hayek was not really like a a, a purist libertarian type like Murray rothbard no. or something and he was probably more of a social democrat than even someone like mises but hayek had pointed out sometimes and he was he was specifically responding to the Marxist situation in Latin America and the context of Pinochet. I mean, he was an advisor for Pinochet after he had captured power, after he had taken the Marxists out, he basically bought, brought in a bunch of classical liberals from America and asked them for advice. And Hayek was pointing out that um, sometimes it's actually better to have a dictator capture power and apply liberty against the totalitarian administrative states in these various countries. And sometimes that's what the state of emergency is for. And Hayek pointed that he's a, he's a liberal and he got this from Carl Schmitt. Carl Schmitt wrote his mm -hmm. classic treatise on on dictatorship, basically arguing that in order to forestall some sort of right-wing reaction, Hitler, you know, was basically going to come out of that in order to stop that type of situation from happening before it even happened. Carl Schmitt was saying that they needed to capture power and they needed to put an end to this um, vague use of power. They needed to basically front run it. Schmitt argued this in the in the 20s and 30s and um, well, in the 20s. And then Hayek took up the same mantle and, and argued the same thing in light of Marxism. And that's exactly what, what DeSantis just did. So it's funny because a couple of days ago, I basically had a a tweet saying I don't I don't want to like DeSantis, right? Because what he's yeah, what he's yeah. making me do is he's giving he's giving the regime, the overall overarching administrative state regime, the two-party system, he's giving it legitimacy. And I don't like that yes. because I want to delegitimize the state. But this is a very good and I mean even swaying type of behavior and type of justification for behavior from DeSantis that I absolutely yeah. endorse and love. I mean that's the perfect answer is I used the state of emergency and I kept the state of emergency in order to um, attack and confront actual threats to uh, the well-being of my people. Yeah, I love and it. I, yeah, yeah, I've I've I felt the same way, you know, I th I probably retweeted you didn't you didn't send me a DM. Please retweet this so my power comes back on. But I think I retweeted that <laughs> one too. Um, but uh, uh, exactly, I I don't I don't trust him. I still don't trust him. Even after right. I mean, there was the survey with uh, Tucker um, on Ukraine on the uh, Russo-Ukrainian war that Tucker sent to everyone that's been floated out as president, whether they've announced or not. And so um, DeSantis's team uh, compiled a statement on it. And it was it was largely really good what he said about Ukraine. It's not not our problem, not our business. Um, but even that, like there there's so many things. And of course, Trump had one as well. Um, I think it was him, Christy Noam, and Trump were the only ones who maybe Vivek uh, did too. But he's kind of an afterthought. Um, and that that gave an answer that was saying this is not our 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 concern. We have bigger problems in America and so forth. Think things like that. Uh, Trump, of course, was really good. Uh, like he, like he always is on foreign policy, um, where he said, basically without saying verbatim, we should get out of NATO 
saying we should get out of NATO. These these European countries should take care of themselves. They're rich countries. They're they're fleecing the United States for their own security. And of course, I mean, embedded within that is the entire geopolitical order uh, that America dominates. We pay for their security in order to, to dominate all of these countries. But nevertheless, Trump's statement is about blowing that whole thing up. DeSantis didn't go that far. Uh, and that's one of the things that gives me pause about him, actually, is um, I remember, I mean, I was, I was still a teenager um, in, in, uh, in high school when uh, George, uh, George W. Bush was first elected to the presidency and in, in 2000. And I remember him running on having a humble foreign policy. It, it, mm-hmm. you know, he was running against, uh, he was running against Gal Gore, who's was the, had the legacy of the, the Clinton years, you know, the, the, the uh, Bosnian, Serbia uh, conflict, Somalia, all of these, all of these different conflict conflicts around the globe, which at the time seemed like the United States has had its fingers in, in everything after the collapse of the Soviet Union. And, and so Bush's whole strategy was, was, you know, a sort of strategic withdrawal is what he proposed as he campaigned. And then, of course, he becomes president. And, and what happens? He, he he invades Afghanistan and Iraq and, and, and sets up this disastrous foreign policy at the beginning of the 20th century uh, mm. that we're still reeling from. And so uh, forgive my voice, by the way. Uh, uh, they attacked they attacked my voice this week. And, and uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to uh, drink as much white monster uh, as I can. Ultra monster ultra. Uh, not a sponsor of the show yet. Um, but um, at any rate, I mean, I, I feel, I, I get the, you know, it's weird. You don't, I mean, it's hard to make an argument saying, oh, I get the same vibes uh, from, from DeSantis as I do George W. Bush in 2000, but you kind of do. You know, you're, you're, you're trying to contrast um, from, you know, from the Biden administration, the things that they've done um, within the realm of foreign policy. And at the same time, you, you're running against Donald Trump, whose biggest feather in his cap is how much of an opponent to the regime that he is and has clearly demonstrated that by what they did to him um, on this issue. Like this is this is the single most important issue is foreign policy. And he was he he was as good as a president possibly, I, I think, realistically uh, could be um, from 2016 to 2020. Yeah, so, I, I also just that that good. I don't think so. Um, so go I, ahead, sorry. No, I think he's going to be bad on China. I'm really wary yes. of this bipartisan like um, confrontation of China, and I think I think Russia is basically, um, I mean, they're allied with China, and I think China is basically more powerful than Russia, and Russia is a route yeah. to China. So I I don't trust him at all on China. And in fact, this is kind of one of those things where like I like a lot of what Tucker says and what he what he um, what he's trying to do and the voices that he's trying to give uh, a platform to. But at the end of the day, I think that Tucker is allowed to be on there. And I think he's really going to push for a China confrontation. And I think DeSantis is right in that mold. And I do not want any confrontation with China at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciated uh, Trump's uh, you know, almost bellicosity um, against China in terms of trade, um, in terms of manufacturing, trying to repatriotize industry in the United States. I mean, that was largely. Yeah, but that um, needs to be a case made against the American politicians. Yes, and that's largely what he was doing. I mean, he he and he was doing that as a like, this foreign country as a foil, um, as well. Yeah. Like not uh, where it's 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 much easier to say these this bad foreign country that sent us this virus. Um, you know, it's easier to do that than it is to say all these people are screwing you. Although he said those both those things, right? Mm-hmm. He said like these these people are stupid and they're crooks. Um, so I mean, both of those things are going on, uh, but I don't think it's in the sense of oh we we want to have this conflict with China so we can have factories here again it's more so 
um, we we want to dominate the Pacific and mm-hmm. maintain our, our hegemony over the planet. Um, and China is is getting too big for its britches, and so we need we, we're going to butt heads with them at some mm-hmm. at some level at some point. Um, and so yeah, that's that's one of the things in terms of like observing politics mm-hmm. is as soon as there's this uniparty consensus about something where we all agree about this issue, you know, all right, that's dead center what the regime thinks. And until, right, until he demonstrates that he is able to buck that, which, I mean, Ukraine does a little bit. I, I'm not, I don't want to take away all the credit um, for um, for giving the correct answer about Ukraine, but it's one answer. He's going to do more. I mean, if, like, I remember back in 2015 uh, when you're observing this, like, it wasn't, like, overnight I decided, oh, yeah, Donald Trump's a good guy. Like, he's not just this silly reality TV star. He, he should be president of the United States. Um, it took time. And it, it mostly was, who are the people reacting to him and and hating his guts and saying, anybody but him. We cannot allow this guy to become, like, if Bill Crystal, I mean, Bill Crystal and the neocons are starting to do this now after he's he spoke out against the Ukraine war, uh, DeSantis did. Um but I mean, some of that it's like, okay, is this for show? Is this this kind of pantomiming, you know, that political theater that that constantly happens, right? I mean, if they're if they're if they come out on National Review with a with an issue that says never DeSantis, and they get in all of the regime people like Russell Moore and Bill Kristol and all these all these people to say, oh, he's so horrible. Yeah. Um, okay, then maybe then maybe then maybe I will I will I will eat crow and say I was wrong about this guy. Um, but like, there's a high bar uh, to yeah. be able to to prove it. Yeah. Uh, but if he passes that bar, like if he if he clearly demonstrates, okay, he is the guy, he's he's solid. I mean, this stuff that you see in this video is exactly what you would want him to do in Washington because you're you're trying you're kind of trying to like navigate two different different paths, right? You mentioned um, that I mean you want the the regime to be delegitimized, and that of course is true. Like that's what I want too. I want I want people to look at DC and think. What a bunch of jokers! I want them to see stuff like, um, you know, January sixth, um, you know, the the Epiphany, uh, um, uh, mostly peaceful uh, electoral justice demonstration. I yeah. want people to see that, and like, and laugh at it because it's a joke. It's ridiculous. These people are clowns. Uh, not the not the guy in the buffalo hat, like the guy that the people that got chased out, the guy in the big the big suit, <clears throat> the big gas mask suit, get waddling out of uh, Congress. I want people to laugh at those guys because yeah. they're they are a joke. They're you know, they a sick joke, and that we should laugh at them. They're ridiculous. It's, it's funny, like, um, so I, I'm about to get controversial here, but uh, so, and it's funny. I, I keep I keep quoting libert- I keep, keep quoting libertarians. Like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, so, Murray Rothbard said that one of the things that he hated most about Reagan was that he he brought like uh, like an entire sense of legitimacy back to the GOP. Yeah, that was like one of the worst things that he did because I mean. People don't want to think about this way, but but Reagan was basically a liberal liberal internationalist. I mean, that was I mean, yes. Reagan Reagan was absolutely not this like um, in some way. Well, no, and in, in almost every way, he was like you know an anti-Trump and anti populist. All those things that yeah. you know he was he was a liberal internationalist, but he he had the rhetoric of a free market in a world where socialism was seen as the only alternative to the free market. You know, quote unquote free market just means you know, the, the liberal internationalist, uh, capital managerial order basically is what yeah. it means. That, but what it really Reagan, means, what it really means is that not, yeah, not in actual practice, free enterprise. Yeah. But, but Reagan brought legitimate and, and that legitimacy has played off for 25, 30 years when, 
we would have been in a much better place if that if the GOP had been like delegitimized and had gone away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, yeah. so so the G, I, I I really am hesitant about believing them again. It's like it's like Charlie Brown with the football. Yeah, how many say Lucy in the football? Yeah. yeah. How many times do we have to say this is the guy? This is the guy. Every yeah. single GOP president ever has expanded the size and scope of the federal government in in the worst yeah. ways possible. I mean Bush Bush too is probably one of the worst presidents since FDR, like hands down. And so like, yeah. and, and he ran on a platform of non-intervention and no nation building. So yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't believe DeSantis. Is it possible that he's good? Yes. It's always possible that he's good, but I'm not, I'm not going to fall for it again. You know, like, I, I'm yeah, just, I'm exactly. just not going to, I'm not going to play that game. No, no. And, and, and nor should you, I think, I, I think this is what, what people really ought to do. I mean, some of it is. You know, I, I have friends that say, "Well, just enjoy the show." You know, it's 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 all fake, and I'm and I'm like, well, I, don't, I don't think it's. I mean, in one hand, it is it is fake. Uh, in one hand, it, it certainly is. Um, uh, but on the other, like the, like you said, there is there is the the scant chance that he could be the guy. But more the more likely than not, here you put this guy in office, and he uses this shrewdness that he clearly has. Right, this this what he's demonstrated in Florida. That he can he can wield the power that he's given um, effectively. I think what I it. think I think what he has behind him is I think he has people that spend time on the online right and are and recognize the rhetoric that they like to hear and they recognize mm-hmm. some of those strategies that I don't think someone like Trump I don't think he has his ears close to the ground because the world is different than it was in 2020. Yeah. I mean he had his heart like he had his instincts were on the pulse of like the American heartland. And I think that DeSantis, the whole world has changed since then. And there's a lot of people who frequent Twitter who communicate some of these themes to DeSantis, and he picks them up and you know, um, you know, uses some of them. I mean, for all we know, he's seen your tweets about uh, Carl Schmidt. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, really, I mean, it, you're, I'm not kidding. Like, I, I have tweets um, that um, that get picked up. Yeah, jokes that I'll tell um, on on Twitter and Gab, and then lo and behold, it ends up in the Babylon Bee. The same joke, weird. Yeah. You know, maybe we're great minds. Um, like, uh, so it's um, like that's it's a small like honestly, the internet is a much 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 smaller place than people think, and I mean I have I we we have uh people we know that go on Tucker Carlson's show like the most you know the most popular show just just slightly behind Contramundum uh in on the planet, yeah and uh and so like it's it's a small world. Um, and there's very few people that, that are, are pushing ideas out there online. And so, yeah, is he seeing, is he seeing this stuff and understanding this stuff? Yeah. I mean, look at, I mean, just look at, um, how he has employed Chris Rufo, um, who is another one of, of these guys, which I, I, again, like everyone thinks I'm like this mega, mega anti DeSantis guy. It's like, no, I want to give him credit where credit is due and, and what he's done. That's, that's really well, uh, that, that he's done really well. Um, it's it's that this exact point that if he goes to Washington and uses this shrewdness, all he's going to do is bolster this GOP that is totally devoted to the globalist American empire. Uh, what even even if that's not his intention, right? I mean, mm-hmm. even if if I give the man the benefit of the doubt and say like in his heart of hearts he is a good guy, um, and really cares about you know us and our country and everything else, right? Just totally give him the benefit of the doubt, um. If he goes to Washington and he, he does this and he gives legitimacy to the GOP, he gives legitimacy to the federal government, um, makes people think, oh, maybe the Department of Justice, which is uh, currently you know 
trying to put a man in jail for memes. I just wrote about this. I'll talk about this later. Um, he's trying, they're trying to put Ricky Vaughn in, in jail for, for 10 years over memes. Uh, that same federal government, the same one that, that subverted a presidency and all of that, um, and shut down the entire country, all of this. That same one is now going to have legitimacy uh, because of him. Right? Mm-hmm. He's going he's gonna to lend his, the good things he's doing to, to them to, to be legitimate. Whereas if he stays in Florida, somehow if they, they allow him to go past the turn limits, um, if he's able to stay in Florida... He would he would be a much bigger thorn in their side to do more to delegitimize the federal right. government as a governor, um, actually. Um, so that's and, and the and the national GOP as well, um, and showing that he is he's uh, you know charted this this effective path for other GOP governors to do. So uh, that's that that's more or less. I mean, on DeSantis and and, and more. There's going to be more stuff that comes out because eventually he he's going to announce that he's running um, and. We'll I do. I do want to say for the record too, like like despite what I said about um, Desantis, I'm not like a Trump eternalist. I I think he's really not doing. I think he's really putting you know a really bad foot forward right now. He's he's oh, acting yeah. insane. I think it's ridiculous. You know. So yeah, the fact that he's not on on Twitter is one of, one of one of the problems actually, and 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 just the the rhetoric that he's not pursuing. I, I saw someone a post um, on Gab. Um, I can't remember who, who it was. Otherwise, I'd give them credit. Um, but basically saying that, you know, that he, what's he going to do like rhetorically, uh, campaign on? It's like, oh, give me another chance to drain right. the swamp. Like, well, you failed to drain. I mean, and, and yeah. listen, nobody was a bigger Trump guy than me. And I, I was huge. I was very happy that he won. I mean, overjoyed and, and defended him and tried, gave, gave him a lot of benefit of the doubt over the four years of his presidency. Yeah. Uh, but he failed. I mean, he he failed to be able to wield the the nominal power that the presidency actually has um, to 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 against these guys effectively, mm-hmm. and so uh, the only like rhetorical strategy he he can go to, and maybe maybe he's going to get there, right? Maybe he is. Um, is and he he started to a little bit in one of the speeches. He said, "I'm I'm your retribution" or something like that. Yeah. He has to yeah. like amp up the language. Like he has yeah. to do more. He has to. I mean, it's. Um, uh, as we're recording today, it's March sixteenth. You know, the day after the Ides of March, he has to do a lot more Caesar talk um, yeah. if he wants to be president of the United States again. Um, and because, like, he needs to say, like, there, there is, there's going to be justice done. There's going to, he needs to do the Papa John's. You know, a day of reckoning is coming. Right. <laughs> yeah. like, that's that's what he's got to do, man. Like, that's that's the only that's the only card he can play at this point because he can't yeah. just say. Drain the swamp, really? This time, build the wall for real. This time, it's it's no. The time for a wall is over. We're going to war with Mexico, right? Yeah. Like that's <laughs> the stuff he's got to say. Yeah. Um, if I first day, I'm going to ask Congress to declare war on Mexico. We are wiping out the cartels. It's yeah. over, right? Um, and we're sending anybody who who is on the side of the Mexican government and on the cartels. They're going back, and I'm going to use the military to like th- that kind of stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. like. That's the rhetoric he has, because because also, what will happen is, um, he would uh, gain massive support like he did the first time, mm-hmm. um, because he's amped up this rhetoric and got charged people up, and and secondly, um, if he wins, it gives that rhetoric a mandate, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we could we could talk about theories of of politics and democracy and everything else, but it's like, if a guy wins saying that kind of stuff. <laughs> that means he has a mandate to do those things that he said he was going to do. I yeah. mean, 
no matter what you what you think about electoral democracy or whatever, uh, that that remains true. Like there there is there's still some popular will that is as messed up as our system is. Mm-hmm. That's shown when when someone wins an election legitimately, um, uh, campaigning on a certain issue. So that's I mean we'll see what happens here as the presidential race goes on, uh, because I mean that that might be the only card he has to he can play, and it will be very interesting to see if he if he does. But yeah. speaking of the presidency, um, the current president, um, the current uh, occupant of the White House. Um, had some things to say about uh, transgenderism. Uh, he he made some comments this week, and uh, um, I wanted to get CJ's thoughts on them. I'll I'll play it right now. Their kids is a really harder thing. What's going on in Florida is, as my mother would say, close to sinful. I mean, Pause it's it. Terrible <laughs> what they're doing. It's not like. No, I, uh, we can talk about, we can talk about this more after the uh, after the clip. But the, the I, I want people to pay attention to the words like sinful. They're they're using Christian language from our Christian past in order to advance their agenda. That's extremely important for understanding yes. what's going on and how we got here. So go ahead. Yes, we'll continue playing. Like you know, a kid wakes up one morning and says, you know, I decided I want to become a man or I want to become a woman or I want to change. I mean, what, what, what are they thinking about here? They're human beings. They love, they have feelings, they have inclinations that are, I mean, it, it just to me is, I don't know, it, it's cruel. And the way we do it is we make sure we pass legislation like we passed on same-sex marriage. You mess with that, you're breaking the law, and you're going to be held accountable. Yeah. I mean, state state enforced state enforced transsexualism is coming. And it's and it's not I mean, at first that was like a Sam Hyde meme, but it's yeah. real. It's yeah. very that's that's what yeah. he said. And that was well, it was just homosexuality state enforced. Well, that, no, I, I use yeah. that. Yeah. Now it's now it's up even further. Like we're further right. down the slippery slope. Um, like you said, um, man, it it is it is mind blowing to me. And, and, you know, I should preface this by saying like this guy. Joe Biden is 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 like the desiccated husk of a of a human being that's barely animated. Um, like he he's obviously not in charge of anything. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't make real decisions. He's not. It's not like he's sitting in the Situation Room deciding. You know, sitting on the phone calling the generals and saying, "All right, I want you to attack this sector over in Ukraine." Like he's not. He's not in charge of anything. He doesn't. Right. His mental faculties aren't there. I mean, even just to do that interview, which is a little bit older. I think it's you know from a month or two ago. Um, mm-hmm. he, even to do stuff like that, like, yeah, they got to hop him up on so many drugs. I mean, really it's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing what the pharmaceutical industry could do just yeah. to get to that point. Um, but at the same time, the, the symbolic importance of the human being who occupies that office, um, is, is meaningful, right? right? It, it matters who he is and what he's saying. Um, even if he has, it, in terms of like the power that he's wielding, doesn't really matter because it's his whole administration and the people in in, in the White House that do that make the decisions. Um, but him him saying this stuff from from his office um, is is meaningful. And well, it's it's um, symbolic. So I mean, it what, says something about our country. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I mean, whenever you have whenever you have an elite who are actually in control of things, you need their front man, whoever is like formally in charge of something. They need to repeat your slogans. They need to repeat your narratives. They're a mouthpiece for your agenda. 
so that everybody recognizes not only what the agenda is going to push, but also if people recognize that they've been defeated and that they're an occupied people. They, so that's that's part of this too. It's like this ritual humiliation so that when you know that something is extremely demonic and wrong about the transsexual movement, they counter those um, instincts with their own language of uh, sinfulness uh, for, for, for opposing it. That's part of the ritual humiliation. They're making you super agitated. They're making you frustrated because that the language of sin and right and wrong is language that's so inherent, not only in Christians, but also just in human beings um, naturally as, as God's created uh, order. So they use that language in a way that really bites, really gets under your skin. And it's part of this process of reminding you who's dominating the political scene. That's why it's important. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, like he himself does not matter, but it, it signals, like you said, that um, they're in charge and we're not. They have power right. and we don't. And that, and that you are a, you are a. I mean, just li listen to the language and the rhetoric that he's employing there. And this is, I mean, this is a, of course an incredibly manipulative uh, person. Um, but the language that he's he's employing there is it, it is that you're a it's bad religious. Person. It's religious. You're an evil person. You are a sinner. Mm -hmm. You are a sinner, as his mother would say. Uh, you are a sinner if if you oppose letting people be whatever they want to be. Yeah. Right? If he if 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 this guy says he's a woman, who are you to deny that to him? Yeah. Um, this is it, so. This is um, and I, and again, I always I always cite books because that's what I do. But so <laughs> the the best book on this is um, Paul Gottfried's multi multiculturalism and the politics of guilt. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh, they attacked CJ. <laughs> they got me. <laughs> Actually, uh, I just choked on a piece of our uh, sponsor, Greco Gum. <laughs> so uh, use this uh, wisely and safely. Yeah. So make sure. Plastic yeah. gum is going to be in your in your in your stomach for like fifteen years now. Right. Exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah. So that book, though, the multiculturalism and the politics of guilt, because he basically just describes our current regime as the fusion of therapeutic themes right because that's what biden did is he appealed to people's emotions and feelings and their own subjective um, view of themselves as being something that can be constantly changed and pursued like that's what transsexualism is whatever you think of yourself you can be that that's like that very very thera therapeutic language so yes paul Gottfried argues in that book that our present regime is the fusion of therapeutic um, model or therapeutic framework of man with a secularized Puritanism. So all that language, all that language, the religious language of sin and good and evil, all those things fuse together with the therapeutic movement. And that's what, that's what, that's why he calls our present regime, the therapeutic state. So yeah, I, yeah, I think, I, I think it's, I like, I like that synthesis. It's, it's a, a, a good um, explanation. Cause I, I think even it goes into also when we talk about wokeness. I mean, that was a discussion this week. Is that oh, you can't define what woke means? What does woke mean? Well, you can't define it. It just means you you hate black people or something. Uh, <laughs> that was that was that was that was a talking point this week. Yeah, in the discourse. Well, and they yeah they're losing they're, that those types of arguments are really losing their ability to have any meaningful oh, sway on things. It's funny. It's, 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 it's funny. It is really funny, and, and but it it it's it, at the same time like the defining or understanding what wokeness is. I mean, I I've talked about it in in this way, and I hadn't read uh, Gottfried's book, and now I'm gonna have to. Um, 
that it, it is and, and some of it is you know the mold bug thesis of the puritans and and you know dominating american culture and that that modern um leftism is and progressivism is just uh you know puritan post-millennialism without god mm-hmm. um and and there's there's certainly some truth to that I think, um you could see that I mean I, I'm sure you've listened to you know Murray Rothbard's history series um on the progressive era, and that's that was his thesis as well, yeah that that the progressive era was was just this um this proto woke movement um where they didn't actually even really believe in God anymore but they still had the forms of right. of of that religion and you see it here as well that it's it's this yeah this 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 therapeutic um quasi i mean there's still this they, they still believe like you and you see this too with with all sorts of libs they aren't like your fedora you know tipping atheists at all like that's mostly gone away that's mm-hmm. mostly just guys like james Lindsay, right and and, and right. like that um they, they still believe in god right they believe in god in this ironic sort of way um where it's meaningless right their, their belief in god doesn't really mean anything other than if you need to be a nice person just be right, nice. exactly. And we talked right. about this. Show weeks kindness. Ago. We talked about yeah. this. We talked about this. The present regime is not going to put a gun to your head and say deny Christ. That's not the model that they're using. They're saying no. that Christianity is defined by accepting perversions, accepting degeneracy. Yes. That's what Christianity is. Disorder. To them. Yeah. Yes, that's that's the model that we're facing. Uh, so they're going to yeah. use they're going to use language like love. They're going to use language like sin and good and evil. And you will pay retribution for your sins. You will need to seek redemption. And the models that they're going to set up for you. I mean, that's that's exactly what's happening. It's polarized theocracy. Yeah, yeah, it, it it absolutely is. And 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 um, along those lines, I mean, you see how you know, ostensibly conservative evangelicalism has has begun to syncretize with this. I mean, we we see it all over the place with um, regime evangelicalism, regime evangelicals, uh, we like to call them, and. Uh, um, to to that end, there was a clip. It's a, it's a little bit lengthy. We might we might break it up here a little bit, um, and and comment, uh, where Russell Moore, Russell Moore, the former head of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, and Rick Warren, who apparently until re- very recently was a Southern Baptist Convention pastor, uh, had a conversation about women's ordination. That's how Russell Moore, or uh, rather Rick Warren, got uh, removed. His church got removed from the SBC over this issue of women's ordination, ordaining women pastors. Uh, so they had a conversation about this, and, and CJ and I would like to you know, break it down. understand why people get upset about this, because I believed the way they did until three years ago. Mm. And I actually had to change because of Scripture. Okay, we'll stop right there. We'll stop right that's there exactly already. What, that's exactly what I was saying. They have to use the forms that like conservative evangelicals uh, flock to like yeah. using scripture to justify your arguments. It's just something that's so deeply ingrained in our culture that if you want to subvert yeah. it, you have to do the same thing. Yeah. You're not going to use some other argument. You're going to, you're right. going to I mean, it, it's, it's what it's what, I mean, right here. Yeah. You know, who else uses scripture? Uh, Satan tempting Jesus mm-hmm. use scripture. Here's some, here's some scriptural arguments, Jesus, why you should bow down and worship me. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, they're doing the same thing, right? They're doing the same thing. They're using the Bible to subvert the Bible. Yeah. Um, so that's we'll, that's we'll, what that's what works here. That's what works in our culture. Yeah. Absolutely. So let's 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 hear them out. Culture could not change me on this issue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I, 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 culture is not going to change me. I live, I live in California. I mean, this, so I live in California. I've been to Saddleback Church and the entire California mega church movement is embodied by Saddleback where Rick Warren was. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, this is, yeah, this is a complete, this is a completely made up. Like, yeah. buddy, your entire model of ministry is based on marketing Jesus to people. You're going to tell me culture couldn't change me at all. No, I'm standing firm. On the Bible. <laughs> give, me, give me a break. All right, let's go. Antidotes could not change me on this issue. Pressure from other people would not change me on this issue. What changed me was when I came to con confrontation with four scriptures nobody ever talked about that I felt had strong implications about women in ministry and nobody had ever shown it to me this is a video i, I should i should uh, give credit to woke preacher clips uh you can find him on, on twitter and gab uh great great co uh, content great account uh but uh this is his first proof text matthew 28 16 to 20 here we go now great commission Go, make disciples, baptize, teach. You can't say, well, the first two are for men and women, the last two are only for men, or maybe just ordained men. That's eisegesis. <laughs> That's eisegesis. You, you got a problem. Who authorized? Sorry, Paul. Sorry, Apostle Paul, you're wrong. You want to know why? Because I've sold more books. Have you ever heard of the purpose-driven life? I know more than you do. That's eisegesis, Paul. Authorize women to teach. Jesus. All authority is given to me. Therefore, teach. All I mean, authority this, is given to me. This is just, it's like so basic. It's not even worth talking about, you know, like know. the difference between your, your, your daily witness as a Christian in the world and uh, your institutional restrictions within the church environment. I mean, like, come on. Like, I don't, it's not even worth getting into. It's, it's, yeah, I know it's, it's absurd. It's absurd, but it is worth getting into because this guy has so much massive influence over all of evangelicalism. So every pastor, yeah. you know, in America when Rick Warren talks, yeah. they're going to listen to what he has to say. Same thing with Russell Moore. Like you, you can't get away from it. So it is, it's worth, I mean, but it's ridiculous that he makes this stupid, facile argument. But we'll let him keep going. Therefore, baptize. you got a problem with the Great Commission. <laughs> I had to repent when I actually looked at the Great Commission. I had to say, it's not just for ordained hmm. men. Hmm. It's for everybody. <laughs> On that day, in, at Pentecost, we know women were about in Acts room. One. We know women were filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We know that women were preaching in languages that other people couldn't hear to a mixed audience. Preaching. We know women. It wasn't just men. Preaching. Women were preaching on the day of Pentecost. How do we know that? Because Peter felt obligated to explain it. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll pause there for one second. I mean, part of this, I mean, this manipulative stuff that these, these guys do is they don't make the distinction between somebody talking about Jesus, mm -hmm. right? Somebody sharing their testimony, somebody, um, you know, somebody, you know, a, a mom teaching her kids in homeschool, mm -hmm. like my, my wife does, I'm sure your wife does too, uh, about the Bible. Um, that's preaching, right? They, they have this huge umbrella of what preaching is. Um, anytime you talk about anything related to the Bible, that's preaching. And so are you going to say, well, we can't do that. Um, when the, what the Bible calls preaching is, is exhortation during corporate worship, mm -hmm. that the pastor's role is, is liturgical, mm -hmm. that he is, 
um, he is leading God's people in worship and he is dividing the word for them within the context of worship. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the role of the pastor. You see, I mean, it's, it's a carryover from the old Testament. That was the role of the priest in the old Testament was to lead liturgically through the sacrifices and to teach the law to God's people. Uh, the priests were always men. Um, that's because Adam in the garden was a priest. Mm-hmm. He was a priest. He was, he was to guard and keep the garden just as the priest was to guard and keep the tabernacle and the temple, right? He's a priest, but because right, Rick Warren um, his entire ministry model and much of evangelicalism that that apes it from him is to keep people as ignorant of the Bible as possible because, right, if you have a coherent understanding of what the Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation, um, it's a lot harder to manipulate people, right? It's a lot harder to manipulate people if, like, they actually know the Bible really well um, because this is this is the kind of stuff he's doing. He's, like, he's taking these, these one verse here and there out of context and absolutizing them over the entire Bible. Mm-hmm. is is the game that these that these people play like like you said they they have to use the bible to make these cases and you see this with homosexuality as well when they're like oh well it's not that big of a deal or the bible whispers about homosexuality well they they have to they have to rip things from context and say right. well we care more about love and kindness and gentleness and so we can't be offensive um so that's what he's doing here and he's he's doing this as well with the this these verses uh Matthew 28 Luke 24 John 20 the women uh Mary Mary Magdalene coming to tell the the apostles about Jesus another absurd argument the very first christian sermon the message of the gospel of good news of a, a sermon right again a sermon <laughs> yeah. he's saying this is a sermon this is in the context of corporate worship right the assembled body of believers worshiping um, as is described all throughout the New Testament and and in in the Old Testament, and that's what he's saying. This is what, this is a sermon that's being preached. The resurrection, Jesus chose a woman to deliver it to men. He had Mary Magdalene go and tell the disciples. Now that clearly wasn't an accident. It was an intention. It's a whole new world, baby. It's a whole new world, baby. <laughs> Absurd. I mean, just ridiculous. Like, and, and and the thing is, like, who is stupid enough to buy this? Like, to buy these arguments, right? Who is dumb enough to like did be you, persuaded by this? Did right? you watch these are the full thing? Did, did, Russell Moore, did you ever watch any other clips? Did, did Russell Moore like push back at all? I, I no I didn't I didn't watch it. I okay. mean you could just see from his body language here. Maybe maybe I should. Maybe that's my assignment for the for the week. Uh because I don't know if he, he did, would, yeah. Yeah, I, I doubt that he did. I mean, because you, you see his body language here and he's nodding along. Oh yeah, that's a good point. Okay, yeah. Uh, I, yeah like, I, I he's think, not pushing back. I think I think Russell Moore is the type that would like push back a little bit and say, Well, technically God did say that this person has to be like a male. But it's, uh, but he, I mean, he would be very like, it, it wouldn't be any appeal to like the created order, to the natural order, to the differences no. between man and woman. It would no. be like this highly technical, like technically you're right, but, but women are still, you know, God's creatures too. And we should listen to what they have to say because they bring unique perspective to the church. And it'd be like <laughs> the same thing that we hear all over yeah, the place. Yeah, well, and which is ironic because when he was at Southern Seminary teaching there, he wrote this, and I, I could dig it up, right? He wrote this article defining you know differences between man and woman rooted in the created order that was that was excellent like if you took away if you didn't know who wrote it mm-hmm. you would think oh did doug wilson write this right mm-hmm. did 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 Vody Bauckham write this 
wow, it must be somebody from our tribe that wrote it. And it's like, no, it was it was Russell Moore. Like, he just went up through the ranks, and then the gay got a hold of him. Right? That's that's just right. what happened, right? right. Um, and either either you know he was a snake the whole time, and and they and he infiltrated, or he got to the top and sold out. I mean, either way, like that's 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 what the guy is, right? Yeah. And so, um, I don't know. I'll, I mean, I'll go back and watch the whole thing, and I'm I I you know we'll make a bet right now. I don't think he pushed back, even in the slightest. Right? Okay. We'll, we'll bet. We'll bet a pack of mastic gum. Yeah, I'll, I'll bet. You know, I, I, I think I bet you he pushed back a little bit, but with the yeah. with the with the same weird egalitarian like uh, qualifications. Quasi egalitarian, yeah. You were like really soft, like the 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 softest, silkiest, uh, yeah, complementarianism that you know that that could be. So we'll, we'll let him finish out his last. Now uh, he has a woman. Go tell the apostles. You got on. Uh, can a woman teach an apostle? Okay. Evidently, okay. Did it on the first day. Teach. I can't like seriously. Can you imagine like making the argument that because a woman one time informed the apostles of some current event, therefore she has like authority over them or something? Like what to, kind of ridiculous church? Yeah, I mean, I talk know. about ice and Jesus. Like it, I know. Like seriously, the women went up and told them something. Can you imagine like if if there was some just like some breaking news about something, some some new order from from the uh, like the the Roman from Roman politics, and a woman told the apostles informed the apostles of this and suddenly like we have to use this as a justification guess you're in charge now <laughs> yeah like wow that's a that's really interesting headline i, I you know you're now in charge <laughs> here you go enjoy your apostle apostleship uh it's, it's just absurd I, it's, I no, hold it's ridiculous i know i know uh it's it's so ridiculous chose her to be the first preacher of the gospel. I understand. <laughs> yes. He had, he had four. I mean, it's like Rick Perry's list of uh, three things. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he had four, but he only gave three. Uh, it's just, just, I mean, absolutely absurd stuff. But this, this is what these guys do. I mean, I, I've talked about this um, online uh, quite often, is that, you know, the regime evangelicals are not impressive. I mean, anything regime is it's not impressive people you you don't have the best and brightest running things they are not i mean you look at whether you want to talk about joe biden um and his his cabinet and his administration and and all the way down to sam brinton uh <laughs> wearing a dress like all these these are not impressive people they are not impressive intellects and in the past right in the past we did have the best and brightest would be attracted to washington and now it only attracts midwits it only attracts Reddit brains to Washington, like really stupid people that just that have credentials. Yeah. And the same thing for regime evangelicalism is right. It, it It's not right. Um, the most learned theologians who've studied the Bible and, and know it well. Um, it's it's hucksters like this. I mean, this is what this is what he's a used car salesman. Right. He's yeah. that's that's what Rick Warren is. He's a very successful used car salesman selling Jesus. He sold a lot of a lot of late model <laughs> cars to a lot of people in California. Uh, that's what he's done, right? He is he, and, and you could see it in, in just the rhetoric that he uses, uh, and, and and the way he frames these things. Um, he is he, he says, that's I said Jesus. Well, it's like no, everything you just did, buddy, is actually I said Jesus. Um, yeah. I mean, it's 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 so ridiculous. But the problem is, the problem is all of the seminaries, all of the denominations, all of the institutions. It within conservative Christendom, 
listen to these people and take mm-hmm. their take their calls from these people like they 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 get their marching orders from these guys so if you go to random evangelical church somewhere in America right the pastor is influenced by these guys right mm-hmm. what he's allowed to say what he's allowed to think about different you know, cultural issues these guys are the ones that that program that into his brain because mm-hmm. you're if you if you if you think like you know someone like me right then you or, or anyone else like you're then you're off the reservation man you're you're a bad person and I mean, you, you see this in, uh, I think I brought it up last week, but it, it's, it's been a huge issue in the, the uh, LCMS, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, um, that they put out that, that uh, catechism where it was, it was full of like woke stuff where they were like downplaying pedophilia. Um, they were saying, you know, it was full of like anti-white race hate, things, things of that nature. And people on the internet pushed back on it and they said, oh, it was just a bunch of like alt-right Nazis that, are, that, are, that have a problem with the catechism. It's, it's totally fine. Did you like? Did you see that? So it's um, absurd. Didn't Jordan? What's his name? Jordan Cooper is that his name? Did he? Yes. Yeah. What did did he have an opinion on that? He thought it was fine, right? I think he thought... mostly fine. I think he. I think he maybe pushed back. Slightly. I mean, the the thing you think Russell Moore probably would do with this, which is <laughs> a little soft pushback. You know, eh, there might be some problems with the catechism, but the real problem is if we let these bad people dictate what we can and can't teach. The real problem is these anonymous online accounts. That's the real problem. Um, I mean, that, that's that that's that's what these these guys do. Is yeah, they they. I mean, I mean, church. We don't we don't want to think about this way because we think you know the, the church is this institution that's that should stand outside of politics, uh, but it is influenced by it. Um, there, there's no way around that. It, it is it absolutely is influenced by uh, political thought and, and political conditions. Um, it's always been that way. And you can think, oh, we're not like the Roman Catholics in the Middle Ages. We're not being dominated by the popes and the kings and, and all of that kind of stuff. And it's like, no, it's it's, it's the same way. The, the culture, absolutely. Sorry, sorry, uh, Rick Warren. You you do change what you think because of the culture. You do change what you think because yeah, yeah. of who's in bring power. That up. Uh, I was going to bring that up. Give me a break to say that you don't. Yeah, why are you, why are you talking about it right now? <laughs> yeah, why, why why did this why weren't you persuaded of these Bible verses in 30 years ago? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like come on. I, I mean, who is stupid enough to believe this guy? That's the thing. Like, that, I mean, it's unbelievable. Um, and so my my hope is that you know by by the stuff that we do here and that we say here, I mean, and guys like 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 woke preacher clips, um, people people putting this out there, um, because of the internet, um, that. There will be more pushback within the church, within the laity, within within congregations to say, no, this is this is not okay. Actually, this is this is bad. This is this is not what the Bible teaches, um, and we need to have a, a much more resilient um, faith. We need to have a much more um, a stronger faith in what God's word actually says and what what God's people have believed for two thousand years without question. Like there were there were no there were no fights in in the fifth century over what is a woman. What is the Bible? There's no fights in the fifth century or the seventh century, the twelfth century, uh, and, and, and church councils and and schisms over is is sodomy okay or not? I don't really know. I'm not really sure. Like they didn't. They, there, there were no fights over this. It was a total, complete agreement uh, mm-hmm. of what what men and women are, what what what's um, allowable sexual activity, um, and and that and now modernism has has changed all of it. So to say, oh yeah, now now I just I just I had this revelation that the Bible says this, and it really blew my mind. How about that? I mean, it, I mean, at least come up with a better argument than that, man. Like, come on. But the, yeah, the thing it's, is, it's I, kind I, of it's 
Yeah, it's just kind of funny what you just said because it, it just really indicates that these guys pretend like they're sort of cultural like changers, but they're actually just cultural followers. They just Absolutely. go along with whatever. All the themes, all the narratives, all the rhetoric, you know, all the priorities. It's all just like it's it's like liberalism like seven to ten years ago is kind of what they are. I know, I know. It's, it's terrible. It's, it's so it's, ridiculous. It's cringe, yeah. you know. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, too it, it, definitionally. I mean, it, it's. It, it, it's it's so ridiculous. I mean, I, I'm almost at a loss for words for it. Uh, and you know, ultimately, what what these guys do is, um, it, like they 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 will be held accountable for it. Either, um, either, <laughs> either temporally, you know, now by by the church, the people um, within the church, you know, godly people within the church will will rise up and push back and fight these people. Or they will be held accountable by the Lord for the destruction they're doing to the church, and and I mean because like this summer, and I've had, I've had friends tell me this that are in the Southern Baptist Convention. Like this is at first I'm like, oh, this is great that they're kicking these churches out. Well, um, he has a ton of influence, obviously, and it, within the SBC. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm not an SBC pastor or anything like that, but I care very much about Christendom, uh, large, you know, generally speaking. Well, and oh, the SBC and I is... want, yeah. yeah. No, the SBC is just a, it's a really important like thermometer for what's going on in the world. Like, absolutely. Yeah. Like as the SBC goes, kind of there goes the culture. It's just a really good way to, to gauge what's going on. Absolutely. Yep. And and you should be, I mean, whether so you you're a, a Baptist or not, you should care about this and pay attention yeah. to it because it tells you where we are at. And if, if they're able to ram through women pastors, um, at the, at this next convention or the next one or what in the near future, um, if it, if it gets, uh, a huge showing um that's bad that's mm-hmm. that's that's really really bad and it means we have a lot of work to do and it means a lot of pastors have to begin to show courage um and it, and, and and within the model i mean we, we talked about this just a, a moment ago within the model of much of the evangelicalism especially in the latter half of the 20th century um, most of evangelicalism is religious consumerism right mm-hmm. you are competing for religious consumers that's why the worship is the way it is that's why the the architecture is the way it is that's why the the sermons are crafted the way that they are you're competing to get people's attention and to and and it's it's also you know syncretized like we said with this therapeutic model right you you're you're providing this this uh this you know this therapeutic deistic um god for them that always affirms whatever it is that they are that never wants to make them feel bad that wants to make them feel good and feel happy and 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 um, and you, you're, because your goal is to sell as much Jesus as you can, get as many, uh, butts in seats in your, in your worship service as you possibly can. And so you're going to say all the things you're going to carefully craft with, with marketing groups and focus groups, uh, exactly what you should and shouldn't say in order to get people in, uh, in the doors and to, to buy Jesus from them. And you see that you saw this, this, this last year, like during the Super Bowl and things like that, there was this, this ad campaign, right. About, about selling Jesus. And it's the same thing. Oh, he gets us. Right, he gets us, um, and, and it's like that's that's what evangelicalism largely is. And so, to to say that the, it's not responsive to culture is is just a a, a bald faced lie. Um, it absolutely is, and it, and this is a, a a cultural barometer. And so, it will take men who um, are are willing to show real, actual courage um, in the in the face of the culture to 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 be like Athanasius, like the moniker of our of our title of our our show. To stand against the world, right? Mm-hmm. To stand against the world and say, "No, I don't care what you think. This is what God says. Mm-hmm. This is what God says, and this is that's here I stand, right? That's what has to happen." So, 
um, along those lines, we have. Do we have enough time for the for our fourth segment? Do you think uh, we can do it? Are you good for time? Okay, we're gonna have an extra long show today. Uh, So, um, I will add um, this. We um, CJ had 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 uh, posted just the other day um, uh, about um, World War II and delegitimizing the regime, Um, and because there was a there was a thread by. Uh, Michael Tracy, the journalist Michael Tracy, who's 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 you know often pretty good. I mean, he's he's um, he's on the left, but he's uh, a critic of the regime nonetheless. If that makes sense, it's got, kind of in the Glenn, Glenn Greenwald uh, mode, I would I would say. You know, I put him in kind of that you know area. Um, but he had he posted a book, uh, a Yale University Press book, right? So at the heart of the regime, uh, this book about World War II, and I think uh, and a thread of of, of excerpts from so i'd like to share it uh with everyone um <clears throat> we'll add this here maybe you could see this maybe not uh, but if you can't uh sorry um so he says it's only recently that i've come to fully appreciate how shockingly impoverished the popular understanding is of world war ii and how centrally this factors into present day propaganda be honest what percentage of the population do you think knows the first thing about any of this and so he he goes, immediately after the Second World War, the victorious allies carried out the largest forced population transfer and perhaps the greatest single movement of peoples in human history. With the assistance of the British, Soviet, and U.S. governments, millions of German-speaking civilians living in Czechoslovakia, Hungary, and parts of eastern Germany assigned to Poland were driven out of their homes and deposited amid the ruins of the Reich to fend for themselves as best they could. Millions more who had fled the advancing Red Army in the final months of the war were prevented from returning to their places of origin and became lifelong exiles. Others, again, were forcibly removed from Yugoslavia and Romania, although the Allies never had never sanctioned deportations from those countries. Altogether, the expulsion operation permanently displaced at least 12 million people, perhaps as many as 14 million. Most of these women and children were under the age of 16. The smallest cohort of these affected were adult males. These expulsions were accomplished with and accompanied by violence. Tens and possibly hundreds of thousands lost their lives through ill treatment, starvation, and disease while detained in camps before their departure. Often, like Auschwitz won, the same concentration camps used by the Germans during the Second World War. Well, yeah, he, so, <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, there's a lot they going on. put in Auschwitz. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, I, you know, it, it, it's just like, it's so hard to find the boundary for where you want to, you know, I'm talking about all this stuff, but... I think one of the things that I want to to bring up, and I brought this up in my tweet. And by the way, this is the tweet that uh, brought the power back on. That's right. So, so but <laughs> so we have I, to share it. Yeah. Yes, but well, I mean, we don't have to share my tweet. But my no, my no. the thing that I really want to focus on is like, I am I am really deeply convinced that like the entire and this is I'm I'm kind of reading from my tweet. The entire contemporary American mythos is founded on the perceived nature and outcome of world war ii i really yes. think what people believe about the world is is um under is is is, is uh, built upon what they've been told about world war ii i mean this is the most consequential aspect of uh like intellectual hegemony that defines world politics right now is people's perception of world war ii and it's the um and you interrupt yeah no and you have people like michael and, and the, the things that he's reading right here Ten years ago, a lot of people that like 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 read like David Irving and people like that, they knew all this stuff. But if if Michael had tweeted this ten years ago, he would have been absolutely never would have had a job at as, as a journalist ever. 
ever. He anywhere. would have been yeah. not been published anywhere. But this is completely acceptable to say, and it's going viral right now because yeah. uh, I'm convinced that basically this narrative is collapsing in people's mind. And you can take this as far as you want. You can read David Irving and you can go you know, full bore on it. And I think a lot of it's interesting and people should read it. But regardless of what's happening, the fact that it's okay to question these things is a really uh, important tell that the regime narrative is becoming delegitimized and is collapsing in people's minds. Yes. And, and so, yeah, the part here, I mean, we, I could read the whole thing, uh, but the, the fact that, I mean, no one knew, no one knows that maybe, like the bottom thing here, estimates of 500,000 deaths at the lower end of the spectrum and as many as 1.5 million at the higher are consistent with the evidence as it exists at present. So without getting into the deep weeds of, of demythologizing the Second World War and, and going to the, the furthest margins, mm -hmm. this is what would happen. Like the second you, you question this, because this is, this, is um, this is the foundational myth yeah. of, the, of the globalist American empire, of, the, of, the, of, of globalism, is mm -hmm. World War II. It is mm -hmm. the Iliad of our, of our culture. Hundred percent. It's it, it's it's or, it's or the Aeneid or whatever. You know, every every. I mean, if if you understand this, in, like in history, every great civilization has its foundational myth, right? The Romans have you know Romulus and Remus that that the city came from them. I mean, think all of the they all myth in in this in terms of not that it didn't happen, but myth in terms of this foundational story that mm -hmm. you tell yourselves of what you are. Well, World War II is that for the globalist American empire. We are the good guys. I mean, that's why every video game about World War II, right, you play as the allies, and you're the good guys, and you're fighting the Germans and the Japanese, and, and we're the good guys blowing up the bad guys, and they're evil. Um, and it yeah. is, it's this Manichaean story. It's, right? it's, it's true to our though We are all good, 100%. We never did anything wrong. We, we, we can't, you can't, you, and if you criticize anything that, that the American government did about World War II, other than maybe interning the Japanese, right, if you criticize it, that is, you know, like you you are you love Hitler then, right? That's what the, that's traditionally that's what would happen, is you must be a a a, um, a Holocaust denier. You must uh, love Hitler. You must be an evil person because you have questions about World War Two. You have questions about the foundational myth because this is our this is and it, it takes a religious, um, it it forms a religious aspect, right? Because it's this Manichaean story where we are we are on the side of good and truth and justice and and what's right. We're on the side of history. Mm -hmm. uh, they're they're the they're the ones that are judged by history. Mm -hmm. They're the ones that are that are judged evil. And so, if you say what's it's a lot grayer than that, actually, it isn't right. this Manichaean thing. Like like there were there were <laughs> there's very fine people on both sides. Like if you if you right, if you do that right, they, yeah. then then you are you're a bad you're an evil evil bad person who's sympathetic I mean, to evil. You're, you're allowed. That's what people think. You're allowed to say that there's good people on both sides on, on things like the Vietnam War, the Korean War, um, and the Gulf yeah. War. You're allowed to say that because it's not foundational. But like, the exactly. but if you begin to even question, even like internally, if you internally begin to rethink just some of the, the narratives and priorities about World War II that you've been taught, you are like in an extreme dissident position and they cannot let anyone think these things. These are extremely no. dangerous positions to hold because it cuts right to the heart of what it means to be the globalist American empire. Yeah. I, I, Cause if, if, if this is like, again, I mean, foundational is the exact right word for this because if there are cracks in this, mm -hmm. if people don't buy it anymore. Don't believe it. Mm -hmm. um, then, then they're not going to go die in a war with, with China. Um, yeah, 
This is way more important. See, in fact, okay, so one of the things that like the 1619 Project is doing is just trying to like encourage people to rethink the American founding. But to our current regime, people's opinion on the 1619 versus 1776 is way less important than people's opinion on World War II. People's opinion oh, yeah. on World War II is extremely uh, dangerous. It's, it, like, it, it exposes how fragile the entire thing is. I mean, if you, if you lose this war, if they lose the narrative war on World War II, they're done. They're done. Yeah, yeah exactly. They, they, um, they, they need to uphold this. I mean, that's why, um, for instance, like the, the uh, meme of the soldiers landing on D-Day and the, you know, what are they thinking meme, right, of the soldiers landing on D-Day, and then there's the thought bubble, and then it's a picture of, you know, uh, trans people or, or immigrant, you know, refugees getting off of, off of the boats or whatever, 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 you know, symbol of, of the modern globalist American empire that they, that they obviously would abhor, right? Mm -hmm. They would, they would say, turn the boats back, we're going home. Right. Um, Right. Like, that's why it's a, a powerful subversive meme, because it's like, well, what, what were these guys fighting for? Because you have this, like you have these like deluded, uh, insane uh, Antifa goons who think that like Dwight D. Eisenhower was was an anti-fascist like them, uh, and believed all the same stuff they did. And it's like, <laughs> do you have any idea what these people thought? Like he yeah. he, he, he would have thrown you in jail <laughs> at a yeah. minimum. Um, like just for thinking what you think. Um, and, and so like it, it, it's it 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 is um. It's at, at the very core of what they are. And so if you begin to question this, you begin – and because I, I remember this, you know, back in our libertarian days, right, you begin to question World War II. And, and not from a um, – not from a really an ideological standpoint, mm -hmm. more so from like an anti-war standpoint. You read Murray Rothbard. You read these guys uh, being critical of, of, of foreign policy decisions in World War II. I remember first encountering this with like Ron Paul saying like, well, we shouldn't have been in World War II. And, and like Blake Masters got in trouble for this mm -hmm. during his campaign. You know, an old like CrossFit forum post where he's saying, "Ah, you know, I think we probably should have stayed out of the war." I'm like, what? How dare you say that? And it's like, well, that's a that's a basic anti-war libertarian position. And by the way, um, and by the way, it's also a basic conservative position as it was yes. happening in the 30s and 40s. All the conservatives yes. said it was not our war; it's Europe's problem. Yes, and and honestly, I mean, um, you know, um, other people say this, and I think they're right. Is is that that was the end of of the old right of conservatism in America was World mm -hmm. War II. Like it, mm -hmm. it effectively was outlawed. I mean, mm -hmm. made illegal. Like yep. you couldn't, you could not, you couldn't have the same opinions about geopolitics as Charles Lindbergh anymore. Yeah, hundred percent. Or, you you or you'd be go to, go to jail. Right? This this was like the intelligence community's like purpose of starting National Review with Bill Buckley was basically yes. like, like to create this this conservative movement out of whole cloth. That was like that was given this like ex nihilo creation that basically pretended like anything outside of it uh, in terms of foreign policy did not exist, never existed. Yes. I mean, that's that's what I mean, this is a topic, you know, um, that we'll, we'll continue to talk about uh, we, it we in, have, in the coming weeks. In, in fact, I will probably ask Paul Gottfried to come on and help talk about that. He calls it the Great Purge. Yes, I think just just a whole episode, special episode on the on uh, the old right, the death yeah. of paleoconservatism. Because I mean, really, I I was thinking about this that and I trying to come up with a, a proper analogy that um, that li you know conservative liberalism, so really like post post World War II conservatism, you know, mm -hmm. Bill Buckley, National Review, anything that's not paleocon, mm -hmm. um, is. It really is, and it's funny because it's like the exact opposite of the famous Buckley quote, 
right? You know, standing athwart history, yelling stop, right? Is um is really what it is. Is you have these men, right? Imagine Bill Buckley, Buckley sliding down from the top down a a, a greased telephone pole, and and desperately trying to say stop here, stop here, stop here. Uh, that's that's what conservative liberalism is. Is there is no stopping here, right? Mm-hmm. It it is it is a free fall to the bottom. But they think like that. That's the facade. Is we can stop right here, this far and no further, right? We can stop the decline right here, and we'll just we'll keep it right here, right? That's why you have like these GOP politicians, um, you know, sending out, uh, like you know, sending like I, I think Trump. Here's some criticism of Trump, right? He sent out um, who is um, Kim Kardashian's uh, stepfather, um, uh, Bruce Jenner. Um, who's not Bruce Jenner anymore? He's he's sent he's like doing talking points on Fox News for the Trump team, right? Mm-hmm. Like he's he is the in-house uh, transsexual for, um, for for the MAGA movement. Uh, besides, you know, Queen Queen MAGA or whatever. Uh, like that's that's what conservative liberalism is. Is mm-hmm. you know the the liberalism of five minutes ago because it has to be. It's saying, oh, we're going to stop the decline right here. And, and so this this is what the the legacy of World War II is is not. Not saying okay, we're going to maintain the same um, the same views, the same society, the same um, the same idea of ordering a society, um, the same same ideas of government and political power and and, and, and how it all should work um, as our grandfathers and our great grandfathers and ten generations ago. We're we're going to try to maintain that same inheritance that we've gotten. That doesn't exist. You're just an individual, right? Mm-hmm. There's no past and there's no future. There's mm-hmm. only the now, right? That's that's what conservative liberalism is is it's it's just to try to to sand off the rough corners of liberalism right now um where it's going and so yeah we and it's the legacy of the second world war is this idea Mm -hmm. that that we're the good guys and we were fighting for individualism right we were fighting for people to be able to be whatever they wanted to be uh democracy that's that's what our values are is democracy and and the way they define democracy is is you getting to decide if you're a man you could become a woman yeah um, that's what, that's what individualism, that's what liberalism is. Not just, not just like liberalism, like progressivism, like, like classical liberalism. That's where it ends up. Mm-hmm. That's where it has to go is mm-hmm. what we are seeing. Um, so, um, yeah. And, and I, I think this, I mean, with world war II, like you, for us, um, you know, certainly for us, but also, uh, I, th- I think, like you said, this narrative is collapsing and it doesn't mean that every single normie that's been, you know, educated in public school, uh, all of a sudden, like was going to wake up tomorrow and say, "Oh, World War II isn't what I thought it was." What? Really? Yeah. Um, we weren't the good guys. Totally. Uh, we did some bad things during the war. We we killed a million and a half Germans after the war. Um, you know, we 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 firebombed Dresden for like no reason and just killed a bunch of women and children just to just cause, just cause. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, uh, that that is. That it, we could have we could have accepted surrender from the Japanese and the Germans way earlier and negotiated an end and not given Europe to communists. Um, mm-hmm. Really, uh, that FDR loved Stalin and and the war was to preserve the Soviet Union. Really, wow, that's interesting. Uh, like that that's not going to happen. Like there is narrative when we're talking about narrative collapse, we're not talking about like fifty percent no. plus one of America no. De- no. realizing it's, this. It's a, it's, it's a, never a big enough faction. Believe yeah, me. it's never any any meaningful movement in history is never a majority. It's always a minority. Yeah. You need a yeah. you need a significant minority. You need a strategic minority. And that's all that matters. But seriously, like think about how many people in the online right and even the online center, even Michael Tracy, were beginning yeah. to question these things. That is a huge tell 
that the regime narrative is um, a, a house of cards. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and it's, it, of course it's based on lies. Like you, you have to you have to believe things that are not true in order to um, in order to perpetuate you know these these myths. And, yeah. and and so a lot of it is, I mean, a lot of it, and some of it too. It just it gets more and more absurd. Like you have. I mean, you have these like these World War II movies that are really ridiculous, um, and there's like a new, there's a new like Holocaust porn movie every every couple years where it just it gets it gets more and more grotesque and more and more ridiculous, um, and and, 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 and because it has to reinforce this narrative, like there there are never there are never movies very few. I mean, there was one there was one about Holodomor a couple of years ago, um, and it but it wasn't produced by Hollywood. It was a foreign film actually. I think it was a British film. Um, then Hollywood will never produce a film that subverts the the narrative about World War II. Mm-hmm. It will never do it because they they exist as this myth making um, entity. Like that's that's why they operate and exist. Is they their their goal is to is to preserve uh, the mythos that upholds the whole system. Um, so they're they're not going to do anything but make movies that 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 show it. They're not going to show. Um, they're they're not going to show any 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 of this stuff that Michael Tracy is talking about. Like it's not in the popular mind at all. Just the the utter devastation after the war and how many people just died, starved to death. Were this is were sexually yeah. abused by the Soviet. Like just the idea. Like people. Like I mean, if you want like a a, a movie that is that um that could be made, uh, that should be made, and and one day, God willing, will be made, it is a movie about how evil the Red Army was. Like the things that they 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 want people to think about. Like um, the Third Reich, which we're not we're not standing for the Third Reich. We're not saying they, yeah, yeah, they were the good guys. Um, it, it's that the Red Army is just as bad. They're just as bad, and, and, and in many cases worse. Like because everywhere mm-hmm. they would go, as they're marching through Europe, actually, they would, they yeah. would rape any anything above ten years old. They yeah. would, they would they, any woman any girl they would they would rape. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. it was a massive rape army. Um, and, and like, you're, you're not allowed to talk about that because the, the myth is that you have to say the sole Satan in, involved there is, is Germany. We can't talk about the other Satan, which is the Soviet Union. We can't mm-hmm. do that. That's not allowed mm-hmm. because those are our allies. Uh, you can't say that we're allied with somebody as, as bad as Germany. Mm-hmm. Um, like that, but that's, that's what happened. I mean, just the great evil that the Red Army did, the, the, just the wanton destruction and, and, and human misery they, they, they put on and the entire all, all of Eastern Europe suffered mm-hmm. under um, like just now. I mean, this is part of what Tracy is, is sharing is, is this stuff. People are totally unaware of it. They just think like the war ended and um, the allies won and evil Germany was defeated. And what a, what a happy day. It was like, you know, the end of a Super Mario level right? he slides down the flagpole. You know, that's like the Reichstag flag, the Soviet Union flag coming up and Mario's in the castle and the fireworks are going up. And that's what the end of World War Two was. Right, right. Uh, right. And you don't see the like millions of women getting raped by the Red Army. No, you, yeah. you don't see that. I mean, the um, things, the no. things that the I mean, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of people died from Germans died from starvation. They were they were kidnapped from their homeland. They were taken by train to Russia to work in labor camps. I mean, this was going on decades after and during American occupation, American and British occupation of of germany i mean this is and, and this was all i mean this was mostly it was um not mostly but a large part of it was soviet but the americans knew about it the entire time and and of course they didn't yeah. teach this in schools but there is no. some very serious complicit complicity going on because 
the American and Soviet um, empires were basically the two victors in World War II. Yeah. And the Germans were extremely fairly untreated in a way um, that people it's beyond people's like wildest and worst imaginations. I mean, everything yeah. everything that's said about you know what the Jews suffered under under the Third Reich um, is absolutely shared by what the what many of the Germans suffered as well. I mean, it's it's horrendous. Yeah, it's, it's the same the same type of treatment um, uh, for sure. I mean, because that's what uh, Tracy uh, points out is that like they didn't like tear down Auschwitz after. Uh, after they took it, like they put Germans in there, and, and so Tracy saying that stuff is 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 phenomenal, um, and and other people. I mean, it's, like you said, it's a signal, um, because like they're they are um, this this narrative has to has to crumble, right? And and I look at it too. Like you think about like what was what was done to Germany, the the treatments that the treatment that was done to the the people there. Um, they, and, and like by the millions, what the Soviets did to them. And you're, you're thinking about, right. You're, I, I think about my, 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 uh, grandfather's brother who was, um, who died, who was, a um, um, in a, in a, a bomber crew on a B-17, you know, bombing Germany. Um, and I'm thinking like, well, what did he, what did he die for? I mean, he's been this hero in our family since, since the war. Like he's, we, we, we. Every you know Veterans Day, Memorial Day, we we honor him as we should, mm-hmm. and and you you begin to think, and, and and just about everybody in the country has um someone in their family like that. They either fought in the war or died in the war, and you think, okay, uh, well, what did they what did they fight for? Like they fought to. I mean, they didn't know this. Obviously, he's not sitting in 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 the bomber, like shooting at German airplanes, uh, thinking, "Oh boy, every German plane I shoot down, that's one fewer that the Soviets have to shoot down." Um, and I can't, I can't wait till the Soviets win. I really love Stalin. Like, no, they're not. They're not thinking that. They're thinking that we're at my country's at war with this other country. We need to fight them. We need to mm-hmm. win. Um, so they're not. They're not thinking that at all. At all. No, nobody was. Um, it's. It's. But ultimately, what did. Their rulers, and you know FDR. What did he have them fighting for? Well, it's it's to preserve the Soviet Union, um, and um, and that's 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 horrible. That's terrible. That and, and to to be able to do these great crimes uh, against against another country. Um, I mean, you you want to talk about like the globalist American order? I mean, really, it starts in in, in Nuremberg. Like there was there was no Nuremberg for the crimes that the Soviets committed, right? The, right. The Stalin Stalin murdered tens of millions of people you know uh starve you know mass famines uh put people you know millions of people in in gulags um and and there's there's no you know temporal accountability for for those people we don't even we do people don't even know about it people have no idea how how evil the soviet union was there there is no great mythos of about that surrounding that there aren't you know there 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 aren't movies, like I said. There aren't movies. That's how people's imaginations are formed. There aren't movies about this at all. It's, it's, um, it's only they. They were kind of good because they were on our side, but they're not really that good. They're kind of, kind of bad. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like this. They're kind of like the anti-hero that's on the side of the heroes. If you're talking mm-hmm. like, if you put it in like Avengers movie terms, um, <laughs> they're like he's kind of a bad guy, but he's on our side right now. Um, that's that's how they think about the Soviet Union if they think about it at all. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, if they don't think it's a, that they're positively good. Um, and so, 
I, 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 I think if, if that begins to, that narrative begins to take shape where people aren't saying, oh yeah, and again, it isn't people saying, oh, the third Reich was good. They were the good guys. Um, it's, it's people saying, no, this is much murkier right. and grayer and, and, exactly. and harder to under, you know, it isn't, it isn't the simplistic Manichaean struggle that we were taught that it is. It's much grayer. It's a much grayer area. Um, then, then like, again, there's, there's at least, you know, a, a vanguard of people who um, can can oppose the globalist American order on a foundational level. That mm-hmm. can oppose liberalism on a foundational level to be able to say, "Look, this 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 system that we have is not is not good, and it's not good from the very very bottom up. Uh, not right. just right like what it's turned out as, like from the very core of what it is, right from the very start, it's not good. That the paleocons were right. We should have stayed out of that war and let." Hitler and Stalin duke it out. That's what we should have done. Um, and and to, like like you said, the Overton window has shifted that people are able to actually begin saying this. So, um, but that anything more on that subject that you that you wanted to say, or we've. Uh, uh, I think I think you exhausted it. <laughs> okay. Well, we haven't exhausted. It. There's much more to say about it, but but yes, all that we can say today, um, we certainly have. But uh, uh, before we. Before we wrap up here, what uh, what stuff do you have for us? What content are you producing um, besides this? Today was a slow week. I think I published one article at cjingle.substack.com, but follow me on Twitter at Contramordor, and I'm also on Gab at Contramordor. Um, those are the two things that you can uh, check it out. Well, very good. Um, I For me, I just published uh, today um, an article about Ricky Vaughn, I, I said I would mention him uh, in this podcast. Uh, m- more than anything else, pray uh, pray for Douglas Mackey, um, who's being who's under trial <clears throat> from the federal government for posting for posting memes about texting in your vote to Hillary Clinton. I think I pro- I, I don't want to incriminate myself, uh, so I, I'll plead the fifth of whether I retweeted him or not. I can't remember. I remember seeing it and laughing at least. Um, but uh, he um, he's being tried. Uh, facing ten years for sharing memes about um, about the twenty sixteen election, saying you could you could text in your vote for Hillary, and uh, they're trying him under this obscure anti Ku Klux Klan law from one hundred and fifty years ago about voter suppression, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's it's, I mean it's absurd. It's an it was obvious satire, obvious joke that he told, and they're, they're they can't even apparently they could produce people that texted in into that number. That they can't produce it so far, at least as far as the evidence that they've they've uh, shown, they can't produce any any witnesses to say I under penalty of perjury, I texted in my vote and I didn't go vote and it was all because of this meme. Um, they can't find anybody to say that they were actually victimized in any way. Um, so um, they they want to throw him in jail for a, a victimless crime. And even and even if it was, it's like you think about that like voting, like if you saw that meme and you thought that you could actually text in your vote. And you didn't vote because of it, like um, that's a that's a that's a competency test of voting. Like, I mean, really, like you should yeah. probably should be voting if you see that meme and think, oh, I can just text this number. Very convenient. Um, like that. Okay, maybe that person shouldn't vote anyway. Um, he's he's helping us out here. Uh, but regardless, I mean, all, all joking aside, it is uh, extremely serious because it's a, a huge threat to uh, to to public speech. Because the goal is they don't. I mean. Yeah, Ricky Vaughn was a was um, an impressive poster, and he he had a, a, an actual influence on the twenty sixteen election when the internet was still a little bit freer than, or a lot freer, I would say, than it than it is now. 
But he, um, it's not that they want to put just him away in jail. It's that they want to criminalize speech and have a precedent yeah. to criminalize speech. They want to make um, anyone who posts memes on the internet afraid and yeah. think, am I going to get a knock on the door from the FBI and go to jail for sharing this meme? Mm -hmm. um, is this going to be considered treason if I mm -hmm. if I protest the the uh, the Ukrainian war? Right. If I if I say if I post a meme about Vladimir Zelensky or if I post a if I if I share a link about Hunter Biden's laptop, is mm -hmm. that going to be considered Russian disinformation and I go to jail over that? Like, that's what they want people to think. They want that in the back of everybody's head. So that way they don't have to spend so much time censoring the Internet, shutting down speech and setting up you know algorithms and AI to, to, to lock everything down. They can they could just make you scared. Mm -hmm. right? It's a much more effective way of censorship. Um, yeah. And so. Anyway, it's very important. Um, you can go to his website, memedefensefund.com, uh, 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 I believe, or, or look at my – I link to it in my article at, at news.gab.com. Um, and uh, please read that. Please uh, pay attention to this case. It's extremely, extremely important. I, I liken it to the Rittenhouse case uh, just as the Rittenhouse case was a, 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 huge, a huge test of the Second Amendment, um, mm -hmm. whether we actually have it, in fact, uh, a Second Amendment or not. Um, this is the same thing. This is a, this is like the Rittenhouse case for the First Amendment. Um, and so, do we have a First Amendment in fact, in reality, or not? Um, is is that um, is is going to be found out in this trial? So pray for him. Uh, it's huge, hugely expensive to defend yourself from the federal government in a criminal trial. And so, if you can if you can afford to to help him out, please please do. Uh, there's a link in, in, in that Meme Defense Fund website. There's a link uh, to be able to send him um, support in a give, send, go or via crypto. So please, please do that. That's the only shilling we've ever done on the show. Um, other than the, other than the joke about mastic gum, uh, there's there's no shilling we'll do other than like, not a joke. This, this guy. <laughs> Sorry, not a joke. Very serious. Very serious. Very serious. Um, but uh, yeah, look at that. There's 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 other articles I'll, I'll have in the coming weeks. So I'm I'm gonna write about about liberalism in World War II. Um, hopefully, and just the, the uh, rise of globalism. Um, nice. That's that's in 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 um, the cards. Uh, hopefully, here in the next coming weeks. So pay attention to that. Uh, you can, again, you can find me at Boniface Option at both Gab and and Twitter. Um, and uh, other than that, uh, looks like we're out of time for uh, our guest, uh, the poster. We're all gonna make it. So sorry, I apologize to him. Um, otherwise, um, have a wonderful week and we will see you next time.